grateful for you all. And now let's begin. So chapter 1 to chapter 6 of Isaiah is the, is the introduction to this book. And we have talked about chapter 1 through 6 in the New Year's conference. And it's a pity that you guys weren't able to be with us since it was just uh, a Yerbang Church conference. But we talked about the overall, o the overview of Isaiah through these chapters. And I think in 2012 or 20, 2013, uh, I, talk, I spoke from the book of Isaiah once. I did an exposition on this book. And there are many prophetic things that have changed since then. And that's why I'm, re -preach I'm preaching again from this book because a lot of things have changed. And there are some prophecies that were not revealed to me or to us before. And that's why we are doing this exposition again. And starting from July or June to the end of August, I will be taking a sabbatical to, to take a little bit, a bit, of, a, a bit of a break and also uh, to focus on, focus on organizing and completing the timetable, the final timetable of God. And I'm not taking a break just to interpret eschatology. But I have to talk, I have to evaluate what is, how God is fulfilling His prophecies in the near coming end times. For example, who is the Antichrist? Who is the false prophet? Who are going to be the ten horns? Who are going to be the seven heads? Who are going to be the seven mountains? <clears throat> What is going to be the sixth trumpet that is going to sound in the, the, the first half of the seven-year period? I got to organize this timetable and the schedule of God through and by taking this sabbatical. And as I'm engaging this ministry actively, I don't have time to organize these things. So I'm, not I'm not even sure if three months is going to be enough. But anyways, I'm going to be taking a three-month sabbatical. In my perspective, these three months are going to be very important. And also, it is, it is precious time for us to go and engage with the remnants around the world. But it is also very important for us to, to, to uh, organize the schedule. And that's why I'm going to be taking a little bit of time off. And in that aspect, this is why we're looking into the book of Isaiah in this season. Because Isaiah is a prophetic book that... That, that, uh, that has this grand scale of God. So we got to understand, understand this grand scale of the Lord. And through Isaiah, you got to receive this grand scale of Isaiah so that you can receive his grand schedule and prophecies. To all the remnant, they need to be able to receive all 66 books of the Bible. But especially... In the area of eschatology, it is very important. 
Eschatology is not just a story of what is to come, but it is a story about everything. Why do none of the churches understand eschatology? Why, or why, why don't they believe in the end times? It's not because they don't understand the stories or they don't understand the conclusion. It's because they don't understand the beginning, the head. If, they know, if you know who Jesus is, then you will know for a fact that He is coming again. So you've got to be able to see the overall picture and not just parts of the story. Not only have to be able to see the end, but you need to be able to see the people, a newcomer to come into the early churches. They have to have the faith of Christ. And that can be divided into six parts. But, but that, the, 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 the sixth part is eschatology. So a remnant needs to be able to see the overflow of the 66 books of the Bible. It is one aspect of the true system. So Zoe Ministry, as we have been uh, doing this for, for 20 years, as you know, for half of the year I'm overseas. But still, the Lord was able to preach all, from all 66 books of the Bible through me in the, in, the, in the small amount of time that I am here in Korea. Especially, why are the churches so powerless nowadays? It's because... Because the chip of the great prostitute has been planted within the gospel ever since Constantine. And so the, the gospel has been polluted and corrupted. And that's why the churches have, have lost power. And we are faced with a generation, an era where the churches are powerless to do anything. And there's also the prophecies of Isaiah. And according to that prophecy, uh, that is being fulfilled in the current age where we can see all the churches being powerless. Only a small amount of churches, the remnant churches, are able to stay strong. Can you fix the sound, please? Because it's giving me a headache. Because of the, uh, the, the, the echoes, it's giving me a headache. Can we... Because the echo is too strong right now. Uh, why don't we just divide the room so that um, the sound will not echo too far. Because I'm hearing my own voice uh, a little bit delayed. It's giving me a headache and it's difficult to speak. So, I guess this is the downside of having a big conference room. Should I block my ears? And so... The proof that Zoe Ministry is a part of the end times, the remnant ministry, is, is that the whole kingdom of God is working with us. Do we only have power or do we only have the truth? 
Or do we only have fellowship with another, one another? No, we have everything because the whole kingdom of God is working with us. And since the whole kingdom is moving, uh, the most important part of that movement is the truth system. It's not power. It's not healing. The most important aspect is the truth. And it's according to 2 Timothy chapter 3 that we need to stand on the pillars of truth. And because the truth is circulating within the church, that it can be called the church of God. And also that truth has to circulate within us as well. A church can, be on, can only be called a church when the truth and the Spirit of God is working within you. So you need to make sure if your church is really, uh, truly has the truth of God uh, in it. And thankfully, through us, God is restoring His truth around the world. And He's speaking truthfully about what the great prostitute is. And so, uh, through us, glorious churches are rising up. And this is why we're fighting against the spirit, the spirit of religion. And because it is the spirit of religion that has caused these churches to fall powerless. But no matter how much you try to deliver someone, if that person does not fight against the spirit of religion, then he will not be delivered. And first, you've got to be able to receive the truth and then go to seminary school and learn about theology. Because if not, then you will be influenced by the false teachings of these seminary schools and falling into the trap of religion. And, and then you won't be able to escape the trap of the religion. First of all, you need to be able to acknowledge and receive the truth, the, tr the, the actual truth of God. Then only can you fend yourself, off, fend yourself against the spirit of religion. And this is the dangers of theology. It's because theology is, is the study of God. You're studying with uh, pe people have made these made these classes out of their 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 experience with the Lord. And just as when a fish is hooked, hooked, it cannot escape that hook. That's how the trip of the great prostitute acts upon us. It, it, it's, it hooks upon us, and then we can take we cannot take it out by ourselves. But when, and when you speak to people who are influenced by the spirit of religion, they won't be able to understand what you're saying because they cannot see what is right, what is wrong. And they do not understand how much this has caused the churches to become powerless. And as soon as I met the Lord, I have been talking about this religion because I did not engage in theology first. But the Lord has taught me His truth beforehand. And... And then I went into, uh, went into ministry in the Korean churches. And that's why I was not affected by the spirit of religion. And the reason why we have become a family right now is, be and is because I believe that the, that, that, that the pastors of Zoe Ministry are starting to acknowledge their spirit of religion. And through the past 20 years, I believe that all the churches of Zoe Ministry have come together in one flow. And the reason why I'm speaking from Isaiah again 
is because the timetable of God has to be completed in this in this season, and that is the calling that has God that God has given to His remnant. And it is an an unshakable truth that that Jesus is coming again. But we gotta see how, what is going to happen in the end times. And our God is not oh, is not constantly a God of judgment. He's gonna allow us to go through the process of becoming holier, become or or having those who are wicked become more wicked. And for us, it is very important for us to be connected with the remnant around the world, because remnant are the people who are who are actively preparing for the coming of Jesus. And remnant are in charge of fighting against the Antichrist and to defeat him in the end. And we gotta offer this whole world to the Lord again. Our God never fails. Even though right now it seems the Antichrist is in control of the world, in the end the victory belongs to God, and He's gonna fulfill that 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 ultimate victory through His remnant. And and God is also going to work according to His timetable. In First Thessalonians chapter five, it also says that you will not be. You will not meet the coming of the Lord, the day of the coming of the Lord, like a person meeting a burglar. Even though we cannot know the exact time and hour, and of course this needs a little bit, a little bit more interpretation. But we, God will allow us to see the signs of His coming. We will be able to see it through how the Lord, how the world is working, through the movement of the enemy as well. And because we have all the all, we have the ultimate timetable, we don't have to be afraid of what is happening in the world around us. Simply, we gotta ask, Lord, why is this happening right now? And if the thing that is happening before us is prophesied in the Bible, then we don't longer have to pray regarding these events. For example, it's like this. Lord, would you would you bring victory to Israel? Is that uh, a correct prayer? It's not a right prayer because Israel will never be destroyed. Do not doubt the victory of Israel. Do not pray regarding those things as well. We don't have to pray regarding the things that have already been decided by God. Just respect His will. But the remnant, there are things, the, the, the things that we need to pray for are the things that are undecided by God yet. And so we got to engage in spiritual warfare and bring that victory back. The reason why we need the timetable of God is because we need to see those events and, and be able to engage in, in, in warfare and be victorious. But once it is decided by God, we don't have to pray for it anymore. But in order to understand the things that we need to fight for, that's why we need to receive the timetable of God. For example, the Korean Peninsula. Is it decided that, that Korea is going to be separated from the Antichrist? 
in Isaiah chapter six or chapter something. It would be it would be good that if if Korea was also prophesied in the Bible, but there's no prophecies that talk about Korea. If it was written down that uh, that we would be victorious against the enemy, then we would not have to pray for this anymore. But unfortunately, it is not prophesied, and that means that God has trusted Korea to the remnant here, and that's why we got to fight and be victorious. And these are all things that we need to do according to the timetable of God, and that's why it is so important for us to know and understand His timetable. Or, for example, is is it prophesied that Trump is going to be re-elected as the next president of of the U.S.? It is not biblically prophesied, but when we look at the overall flow, if it is decided by God already, then we don't have to pray anymore regarding this matter. But it is still not decided or prophesied that Trump is going to be elected, and that's why we got to continue to pray and fight for this matter. And because his election, the election of Trump, is not decided yet. So, if we know that the timetable, God, we will know what we need to fight for, and we don't have to fight for. And the the war in Israel right now. How should we pray for this war? So, is the war happening in in Israel right now? The war that is prophesied in Zechariah chapter nine. If it is so, then we don't have to f- to pray about this war. Simply, we gotta pray for for the Lord to continue to 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 purify Israel through this war, since it is prophesied already. We don't have to pray for the Lord to bring Israel to victory because their victory is already decided. If it is the war of Zechariah chapter nine. And all, so we need to know the timetable of God because it is decided by God. And when we know the timetable, we can know what prophecies are are happening before us. And all these things I have to know and 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 evaluate and organize during my sabbatical. So do not try to find me or 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 find look for my help during my sabbatical. And not a lot of time is left. You don't have to. There are not a lot of big decisions to make, since the remaining time is so little. But there are still these little complicated issues and decisions that have to be made in this ministry, and that's why I'm taking some time off. And we already know who the great prostitute is, and we know that the great prostitute will be will be killed by the Antichrist in the end. And for a while, the, the the great prostitute will hold a lot of power. But afterwards, the, the the antichrist will have no use for the for the great prostitute. And that is after the the the, uh, the unification of, the, of all the religions around the world. That is during that period. That's when the great prostitute will do a lot of things. But and to us, the more important figure is who the. The, the false prophet is, because the false prophet is going to do all the things in the place of the beast. 
And also, he's going to work alongside of the Antichrist. So it is very important for us to know who the Antichrist is and also who the, great pro uh, the, the false prophet is. We got we to gotta see how the Antichrist and the false prophets are moving, what their strategy is. These are the important things that we have to know. And we, we need to be sharp in our prophecies. And I've talked about quantum computers before. These, these are the technologies that they are creating to, to take over the world right now. So uh, if we know the timetable of God, these secrets of the enemy will also be revealed to us. During the time of the early churches, they were able to see into AD, the, the, the year of AD 60 and know the name of the Antichrist. They already knew who the Antichrist is going to be uh, like 14 or 15 years ago. Well, not the Antichrist, but the... the the uh, the symptoms, not the, the the symbols of the Antichrist. For example, Nero. They were able to uh, prophesy about the coming of Nero. And in Revelations, it says Nero is the eighth king, the the eighth emperor. So the early church already saw all the symbols and the, 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 the symptoms of the coming of the Antichrist <clears throat> because they had the timetable of God. And that is, that is the revelation of God. And in the end times, upon his remnant, and I'm not sure if Zoe ministry is called to do that, to do that ministry in the end times yet. And I also have to, re uh, to, to confirm my calling before the Lord through my sabbatical. But if God called me to be a leader of, of the remnant in, in the end times, then He's going to tell me, He's going to reveal His mysteries and His revelations to me. So that's what I'm going to do in the three months off that I have uh, off from this ministry. And that is the, the season that we are in. So do not live just according to your own wills. You got to pour all your energy to the Lord. And now it's time for you to be purified fully, to fulfill your predestination, to go into glorification. You got to prepare yourself to become the best uh, uh, resurrected body. And Revelation 15 talks about the wedding of the, the Lamb. We got to become the holy bride of Jesus, wearing this pure white dress. And in this season, that is what God is doing in us. He's purifying us and, and sanctifying us. And, the and that is why the slogan for our church this year is to be separated, to be cut off from Babylon. The Holy Bride is the one that is able to separate herself from Babylon. It is also the fulfillment of the prophecy of Zechariah chapter 5. You need to become a person that is unaffected by the things of Babylon. We are also not living according to the flow, the trend of the world. The world is going to go further into poverty. The remnant church will become more and more abundant. 
because where our lives are not dependent upon what the world gives and not, doesn't give us. We, we got to follow after the will of the Lord. We got to look after the will of God. This is our only concern. And that is, that is the duty given to the remnant. People who are not separate from the world, it would be impossible for them to live this type of life because they got to be affected by Babylon. And they feel powerless when the world doesn't give, it, give these blessings to them. And if you're feeling concerned, if you're feeling poverty, it's because you have not separated yourself from the world yet. And in this season, God has allowed us to be separated from the world. So you got to uh, pour your energy into this. So if the world gives, then you, you can live with that. If the world doesn't give, then it, doesn't, it also doesn't matter as well because you live according to the blessings of God. The reason why I'm speaking again from Isaiah is also because we are faced with a very important season right now. Again, we got to be able to see the scale of God in this season. And this is regarding Yerbang Church. But God has always uh, spoken through me in the, the message that has to be spoken in those seasons. There were times that I need to speak from Hebrews and I would speak from Hebrews. And there was also a time, a season where God ha had me speak from Isaiah. But in retrospect, when God told me to speak from Isaiah, let's say uh, the, the revelation that was revealed to me before I spoke from Isaiah was, was black and white. After Isaiah, everything became colorful. It was like watching a black and white television to a, a, a colored television. It's because new revelations have been opened to me. And so this kind of phenomenon has to happen within your churches as well as you listen to Isaiah. And for this year, every time we hold a conference in Korea, we're going to be speaking, uh, be looking into Isaiah. And the sermons of Isaiah in this year is going to be a little different from the Isaiah of 2015. And my expectation is that we will be able to, to finish chapter 14 in this conference. But, of course, never, uh, these conferences never go according to my expectations. But anyways, let's begin chapter 7 today. So I said, up until chapter 6, it is the, the introduction to Isaiah. But we can divide Isaiah into three sections. Chapter 1 to 39 is the first section of Isaiah. And all the scholars also agree in this div division. And chapter 40 to chapter 56, 56 well, the first half of 56 is the second chapter, and then from, from, from that to the end is the third section. Why do we divide this Isaiah into three sections because the prophetic time frame is different. The aspect is different in these three in these three sections, and the 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 context of these chapters are also different. So that's why we divide it into three parts. So that's why we divide Isaiah into these three sections. 
So first section is chapter 1 to 39. But within that first section, chapter 1 through 6 is the first section. And then chapter 7 to chapter 12 talks about the war happening in Aram. And chapter 13 to 24 talks about the, the judgment of the world. And, so it's, uh, and then from then on, it talks about the history of Israel. But it is all part of the first section of Isaiah. So tonight, we're going to be looking into chapter 7 through chapter 12. We're talk, we're, <clears throat> it, this prophecy talks about the attack of Aram. Now let's look into this prophecy. So when we look at verse one, we can we can tell the historical background of this of this chapter, which is when Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah. So Ahaz became king around BC seven thirty. During this era, Assyria was busy with the other, other political affairs of the surrounding nations. And so Israel and Philistines, they, came in, they, be, they became an alliance to fight against Assyria. But as Ahaz, Ahaz became king, he became pro-Assyria. So let's look further into his history. Southern Judah, during the time of Uzziah, Uzziah and during the era of Jeroboam II in, in the northern Israel, Israel was met with prosperity. More prosperous. Pros prosperous than the time of, of David and Solomon. But Jeroboam II dies first. Suddenly, their political power became weaker. And then six times the king was replaced because there were assassinations and coups. And we're not going to talk about this in detail tonight. But the sixth king is called Pekah. And he's the king of northern Israel. And then Uzziah dies. Chapter 6 talks about the death of Uzziah. And even during that time, uh, southern Judah was going through a time of prosperity. But as Ahaz became king, uh, that prosperity started to fade away because these were kings that were uh, idol worshippers. And even though they were anti-Assyria, they became pro-Israel because of the new leadership. 
and that is around the time of 732 BC, BC 720, 30. And during the first attack, southern Judah is almost destroyed by these, uh, these, these foreign attacks. And Abraham and northern Israel co come cooperate to, to, to almost take over southern Judah. Ephraim. And that is, uh, that is written in verse 2. And after 20 years of this, both nations, northern Israel and southern Judah, have become very weak and vulnerable. So as Aram and Ephraim come, came together to fight against uh, Assyria, because southern Judah rejected that alliance, they attacked southern Judah to destroy it. So this is the historical background of chapter 7. And this is how fearful the word of God is. After Jeroboam II died, Israel was a very powerful nation during this era. Even compared to the Palestinian nations near, uh, that surrounds them. But in 30 years, their, their nation is destroyed. And that's how fearful the Word of God is. When we look at the history of Israel, they can never prosper without the Lord, without the Lord's help. So northern Israel, their king is Pekah. In southern Judah, uh, their, their king, the person in power was Ahaz. And even though both nations were going through a time of prosperity, suddenly they were faced with this, this, this uh, poverty. And verse 2 is, talks about the time right before the attack of Aram and Ephraim. Verse 2 it says, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim, so the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken, as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Even during the first, uh, during the first attack, they received a huge impact. But this is the second attack that has been uh, poured out onto southern Judah. So the heart of the king and the people are all shaken in fear. They're trembling in fear. So this is the historical background of this prophecy. Let's look at verse 3. So you've got to have a desire for the prophetic spirit. Because the spirit and the message of God is not separated. And as you receive this message, you've got to be able to receive the spirit of the, the, spirit of the prophet of Isaiah. And when you're, able to, when you're able to receive the message through faith, the, the message will come into you and work upon you. And the prophetic scale and the faith of Isaiah will also be given to you. And when we talk about the scale of faith, we, we're not saying, oh, you can see big things coming. But 
when the Lord Himself is within you, you receive His scale as well. The church has been given the authority to rule over the rest of creation. And so the, the scale of the church is actually universal. Several years ago, I have said that the whole universe is coming into an alignment of a cross. And even uh, scientists are saying that there's a great movement happening in, in the universe. It's, it's because through new technology, they can sense new things. And this is not something new that's happening in, in this universe, but that the whole universe is moving according to the Lord. And the reason why it is moving is because the kingdom of God is approaching us and the whole universe is preparing for that encounter. During the first coming, the Lord was born in a manger. But the, a huge change happened in the universe during His first coming. And that's why the, 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 the three wise men were able to sense that difference and find the Savior. But for His second coming, every creature, every, every being a part of this creation is, is preparing themselves to meet that Meet, meet the coming Lord. And since the King of Kings is approaching us, don't you think that the universe is going to shake and tremble and, and transform to meet, that, to meet the King of Kings? And since the church is the body of Christ, who is the head, we got to be able to receive the scale of the Lord, who is the head. In Ephesians, it says the church has the power and authority to rule over creation. And the we also have the authority to command the angels of God. And if you say, oh, we just have to be responsible for our neighborhoods, in a way, you may be saying that you may be remaining hu humble. But that is not the scale that God has given to His churches. I'm not saying to have big dreams. But that is the original scale that God has designed for His churches. And so that's why it is very natural for the church to be able to receive the timetable of the Lord. And in that sense, it is very important for it to receive the words of Isaiah. To decide your scale means your portion of faith is decided. The scale of your faith is not dependent upon your characteristic or your personalities. This scale of faith belongs to the Lord. In Mark 11, it says that you need to have the faith of God. And faith belongs to God because He Himself lived in faith. And He has given that faith to us as a present. So, excluding the faith of the Lord, you cannot regard anything else as faith. So, we got to do all things through this faith. So, if you don't have the skill of God, it means you don't have His, his faith as well. It's because you still hold on to the things of your flesh. You cannot hold on to the faith of God. 
And that's why for the past 20 years, I've been saying to Zoe Ministry, you got to deny yourself. You need to put yourself to death. And that's why it is so important for you to maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit. When we look at ourselves in a relationship with a dynamic triune God, the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of God should be the same thing. And the fullness of, the, of Jesus is also the same. Is that, is that, is that right? When we look at the, dy- the, the, the dynamic of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is within us, the Lord is within us, and the Father is within us. And we are within the presence of God, and we are within the presence of, the, uh, of Jesus. And of course, the Bible doesn't say the presence of, of the Lord. Yeah, I've spoken before why that is. Um, but there's also the presence of the Holy Spirit. But, and, uh, and we say that the Trinity is filled within us. But in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul says to Ephesians, or he, pray, he prays for Ephesians, Ephesians like this. He says, you need to be filled by, with the fullness of the Lord. And in the context of Ephesians, the word fullness is, is very important. And the church has to be filled with the fullness of the Lord in order to, to, to reign over the rest of creation. So what is the fullness of the Lord? It's the fullness of everything. In this water bottle, when you mix water, oil, and, and, and alcohol, can you call this water bottle as being filled with water then, when it's mixed with these three liquids? No, because it is mixed. Can you say it is filled with oil then? No, it is also filled. It is also, it also contains water and oil. So you cannot say it is filled with oil. When it is mixed, you cannot physically say that this thing is filled with one substance. But the fullness of God, you can say simultaneously that you're filled with water, with oil, and with with alcohol. It is impossible in this three-dimensional world. It's like this. Within the Lord, there's the fullness of wisdom, fullness of power, fullness of authority, fullness of love, fullness of anointing. All these things are filled within God. And that fullness, all this fullness is within Jesus Christ as well. And that is somatico. It is the embodiment uh, the substantialism, substantial, he substantialized this fullness. And since he is the head, if we are connected to him as his body, then the fullness of God is given to the, to, to, to the church. So that means you're able to use any of these fullnesses as the church of God. If you need power, then you can use the fullness of power. If you need love, then you can use that fullness of love. If you need wisdom, then you can use that wisdom as well. That is the fullness of the Father. So that's why it is so important for the church to maintain that relationship with the head of the church. Let's say this water bottle is filled with half, uh, halfway with dirt, and then the rest is filled with water. Then you can, can you say that this water bottle is filled with water? No. Because half of it is filled with dirt. 
Only when you get rid of that dirt can you say that this bottle is filled with water. And this is the reason why the fullness of the Lord is so important for us. People who have a yearning for this fullness, in, in this season, it is a season for them to empty themselves so that they can receive this fullness of God. Through this fullness, the Lord is allowing you to get rid of this dirt. When the fullness of the Father comes into you, you will be able to see what is still, not, what is still within you. You realize, oh, I, have this, I had this strength. I had the, 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 the tendencies of the world. I had this un- unbelief within me. When you met the Lord, you should have, have, have emptied yourself from then on. But if you weren't able to do that, then in this season, through the fullness of the Lord, the Lord will help you to empty yourself fully. And then your churches will be a church where the fullness of the Lord is present. And that is the church of, of the remnant in the end times. So when we look at the dynamic of the Trinity, it is true that the fullness of the Lord and the fullness of the Holy Spirit are all the same. But in the, in, in the context of the church, in ecclesiology, the fullness of the Father holds this meaning, being filled with, being, having the fullness of everything else as well. So that's why in this conference, you've got to receive the fullness of the Father. You need to be able to receive the fullness of the Father and, and, and see what is still not emptied within you. And when you have His fullness, you'll be able to use power when you need it. You'll be able to use revelations when you need it. You'll be able to use authority when you need it. You need, you'll be able to use uh, the Lord's love when you need it. Because it is all within the prayer of Paul that he prayed uh, in, in the book of Ephesians. He says, I pray that you will be filled with the fullness of the Father. And Paul was able to speak of this great revelation because he has received the wisdom of the Lord through the fullness of God. And this is all possible because Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And Jesus Christ has substantialized all this fullness, the divine fullness of God. And that's why as the church is, is the body of Christ, we can, we can receive that fullness as well. That's why in the pastor's conference, I always say, do not be burdened by your ministries. Do not enrich your lives for your, com- for your ministry as well. You've got to enrich your life for God. Why, is this, why has your ministry become a burden for you? It's because you have not allowed Jesus to become the head of the church. If Jesus is the head, then he is in charge of the church. But many people think, many pastors think that they have to be in charge of the church. But as a pastor, if the, Jesus is the head of the church, then you really don't have much to do. Just let the head do what the head wants. Many people judge the church according to how many members of the church there are. Or how much power is present, manifest in the church. But that's not the case. What is the standard to a good church? Is how much the pastor is not doing anything. And this is a very uh, this, this is I'm speaking at an expert level, so many of you won't understand. But I don't really do a lot in the church. 
And if you're not doing much in your church, then, then you can tell that you're, you're walking on the right path. But if you're heavily burdened by your ministry, by your churches, you got to pay rent. If the bills that come every month is a huge burden upon your, uh, on your shoulders, then it means you have, you, you have not allowed the Lord to take charge of your church. Some of your pastors may say, it's because you, you have stability within your church that you can, you can relax in that way. But that's not the case. As soon as I, I established this church, I had six associate pastors in the church even though we had no money. It's because this is the church of God. It's not my church. He is responsible for them. And of course, all six of the old associate pastors ran away. But I... I had associate pastor, six associate pastors beneath me during the beginning years of this church. It's because God is, is responsible for, for this church. And that's why in Romans, Paul says, Who can take me away from the love of the Lord? How can you be responsible for your ministries, for your churches, when you don't understand the love of the Lord in this way? The, the church is not... A burden for you. The reason why God gave these gave me these church members, these saints, is because He wants me to make them into gods. Not, they are not there for me to be uh, burdened by. And can this be achieved through my own strength? How can I deify somebody some of these these church members? It is impossible. But the reason why He has given us this duty, given me this duty, is because He's going to do it in the end. He's going to be in, in charge of the church. And that's why I am not burdened by this ministry in any bit. I'm not burdened in any way. Pastors, listen carefully. Think about, evaluate your, man, your ministry. Are you doing well or are you doing poorly? Are you burdened? If you're burdened, then you will, you will constantly be singing this hymn to, be, to take upon the burden of Christ. And this doesn't only apply to the pastors, church members, the saints of the churches. You must also not be burdened by this ministry or burdened by anything. You need to be light. Your spirit needs to be so light that the Lord can take you and bring you to, to, to wherever He pleases. But if you're burdened, then even when the Lord wants to move you, you won't be able to move because you're so burdened and, and tied to your, your current place. In our, in our church, there's a sister that came from Mozambique. Her name is Hannah. And today on the bus, I asked her, why are you so concerned it's because her husband is going through for this fast right now and she is having so much difficulty uh, raising her son by herself one child that is I raised six children but even with one child she feels this burden 
And that is that means something is off, right? Do you have difficulty caring for two children? You always say that they are a huge burden, right? And both of them are mama's boys. So I can only imagine how much of a burden they are for you. And actually, she has three sons to take care of because because her her husband is also fasting, and she has to take care of him. So. She, she, in the end, she's taking care of three sons. So imagine how much she's burdened by her three sons. So listen carefully. Our God doesn't want us to be burdened by anything, and there are many pr- perspectives. But the Bible says, "Do not be burdened." It says, "Always be happy." Be- and since you're not burdened, there's nothing that is ty- weighing you down, so you can be happy with the Lord at all times. If through this conference you can you can substantialize this one thing, then you can confirm our calling as a remnant. When God called us to be His children, He didn't want He doesn't want us to be burdened by anything. Because the most important thing in our lives is to go before the Lord. He knows for a fact that if you're burdened, He cannot we cannot come before Him. So that's why you got to be light. You gotta be unburdened, there's, and there's no reason for you to be burdened by anything. Because God says, "I'm gonna be responsible for you." So what is the issue then? Is your unbelief that is the matter? That is the issue. You don't you don't trust in God. But if you believe, if you trust in the promises of God, then you will see, oh, He's in charge. He's responsible for me. He takes a, He's accountable for me for eternity. In Acts 28, it says. That the church has been bought at the price of his blood, and since the church was purchased by the price of his blood, he's going to give his everything to be responsible for his churches, aren't this, isn't he? Think about the mother. Think about how much the mother is willing to to take care of the of their children. The heart that Jesus has, that God has for his church, is even greater than the heart of the parents. When we believe in that relationship, if we believe that He has become us, become our head, and if we believe that we have become His body, then finally you start to acknowledge what it means to receive the fullness of the Father. So now you gotta receive that fullness, don't we? Right? Let's move on to verse three. So verse three to nine, we're gonna talk about right now. And So now uh, verse 3 to 9 talks about the Lord's prophecy regarding how he's going to protect southern Judah from the attacks of northern Israel and Ephraim. So we just said how the Lord takes care of everything. So no matter what sort of power the Lord, uh, the world come, uses to, tr- to try and uh, to attack, attack us, it doesn't matter how much power we have. We, 
we shouldn't be concerned about the attacks of the world. Because as long as the Lord is holding on to us, we will, we will, we will be protected. So whose side is the Lord on is the important thing that we have to focus on. But many people don't understand this concept. They don't understand that even though they have become the children of God, they have to be responsible for themselves. And that is the spirit of legal, legalism and religion. Legalism, the core of legalism is what can I do? What do I have? What can he do? You're constantly comparing this and that. And that comes from Babylon. That is not the standard of the kingdom of God. But legalism and the spirit of religion causes us to focus on these things. But when you believe in God, you become very simple. If the Lord wills, then He will guarantee it to happen. And He will fulfill His promises. So there's nothing for you to be concerned of. So even though the, this, this echo is creating a headache for me, I'm not concerned about it. And I press on. Because I don't have to be concerned about this issue. And even this prophecy... He, he's speaking this prophecy to Sodom Judah. I'm going to take care of you. Do not worry about these attacks. So now let's look at these prophecies. Verse 3. <clears throat> then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son, Shere Jashub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to Launder's field. So where is this upper pool on the road to the launderer's field? Upper pool talks about the, the, the valley of Gideon in the northern, northeastern part of the, uh, from, the, from David's temple. And this pool is a very important source of water for, for, for Jerusalem. So people of Jerusalem will drink from this pool and, let, and the water will flow down to and then flow down further to Siloam. And Near the end, there's a place where people come to do laundry. And that is the launderer's, launderer's field that is written in verse 3. So why does the Lord want to meet uh, Isaiah in this place? Like I said, this, the, the time period of this prophecy is right before the attack of Ephraim and northern Israel against southern Judah. So Ahaz is preparing two things right now. First thing is, he has asked help from Assyria. And in order to protect themselves, Jerusalem has to protect this, this, this um, river to protect their source of water. And that dug water tunnels so that the water will come into the fortress. 
and they and they hid the the, the water source. And this construction is completed during the time of Hezekiah. And when you go to Israel, you will visit the he visit visit Hezekiah's tunnel. That is the tunnel that was made uh, in, in this in this construction. So the leaders of southern Judah and Assyria are meeting to, to discuss strategies. But, but, but them doing this is, is shows how much they're, uh, they're not believing in the promises and in the will of God. And this place later on will become a place where Israel has to surrender before their enemies. So this place used to be a, a place of strategy for the, the, the people of Israel and the Lord's people. But later on it will become a place where to, for their surrender. Isaiah tells Isaiah to bring his son, Shir Jashub, to this meeting place. And this... The, this refers to the return of the remnant. And there's also a prof prophecy speaking of how God, the Lord is going to, 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 to destroy the whole of Israel and only the remnant will remain. And it's because the Lord knows very uh, for a fact that Ahaz was a was a was an idol worshiper, and so throughout the whole sixty-six books of the Bible, the idea of the remnant is very important. And as you know, in the later chapters of Isaiah, it talks about how the the Lord Himself came from this from this lineage of the remnant. In the end times, all the churches of God will close down, and we are we are about to meet this season. Only the remnant churches will stand, will remain standing to prepare for the coming of Jesus. Only the remnant will be willing to risk their lives for the gospel and for the coming of Jesus. Now let's move on to verse 4. Say to him, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. So why, why, why are they trembling fears? Because these powerful nations are, are preparing to attack them. And so they're faced with this reality of, of attacks. And many Christians are, are, are doing this when they're faced with these difficult situations. Immediately they are afraid. They're afraid of losing money. And it's because of the lack of money that they're struggling. But that's not true. The reason why the whole world is trembling right now is because they're not trusting in the Lord that has prepared everything for them. Every issue that you face in your life is an issue of faith. It's not an issue in, in, your, in your circumstances. Are you are you are you happy because the Lord, the world gives you something, or are you sad and tragic because the world doesn't give you something? 
No, these things cannot become a standard for your for your uh, for your standard of life. It's because and and because Saul and Judah is not trusting in God right now, they are trembling in fear. One of the most powerful gifts that the Lord has given to His people is peace of mind. When you have faith, no matter what you're faced with, you will have peace. So, one way to check whether or not you have peace or uh, whether or not you have faith is when you're faced with a difficulty, are you, do you remain in the joy of the Lord? But, if you're faced with a difficulty and you're afraid or if you're concerned about it, then it means you're faithless. Nowadays, around 30 people have fasted 21 days and 40 days. And there's one sister that is fasting within, this, within our church. And she has low blood pressure and uh, low, low uh, sugar levels. And so it should be impossible for her to be able to fast because of her medical issues. But since her head pastor told her to fast, she obeyed. And I didn't force her to fast. She was just willingly, she willingly listened. Willingly followed uh, this advice. And my wife never fasted before because I never told her to fast. But this sister, she, she started to fast just because uh, I told her to. But the important thing is not her, but her husband. Every day, her husband is trembling with fear, afraid of what is going to happen to her wife, his wife. And he's, he, come, he, he goes to the same fitness center as, as I do. And every day, he, talks to me, he, he's, he tells me how much he's worried about his wife, that he's, she's going to faint or fall down. So I have a lot of pity upon him. Because the reason why he's afraid is because he's faithless. Don't ask who it is. Because his, his, his wife is doing her best in her fast. But the husband is the problem. He's worried. I said, don't worry about her. Just eat. But he can't even eat himself because he's so worried about his wife. But when you have faith, you have peace. Where is he? Let's move on. What does he say? In verse 4, it says, uh, Don't be afraid. Why are, you, why are they afraid? Verse 4, it says, Be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. It means to be, to be silent and to be... To be cautious, which means you have to come before the Lord. When you have faith, you can come before the Lord. And so, when you you need faith in order to come before the Lord. And when you have faith, you are constantly at peace. Because having peace mean uh, having faith means you're calm. It means you're at peace. But when you're afraid, when you feel a sense of urgency, when you're listening to the others' voices then you cannot remain in peace. But when you have faith, 
you're, you're calm, you're quiet. But since fear has come into them, they cannot remain calm. And they cannot trust in the words of God. And this is a clear sign that they're not relying on God, but relying on something else. They're not relying on God, but relying on Assyria. But when you have faith, you, you, you got to realize who to fear, and you got to fear the Lord only. That is the characteristic of faith. And you also realize you don't have to be afraid of the world. People who have faith in God, people who have a fear of the Lord, are not afraid of anything else. Think about David and Goliath. David has to face Goliath, who is several times his size. And when the, whole, the, the, the entirety of the Israel, Israeli army was afraid of Goliath, David said, you are, just, you are but a grasshopper before my eyes. Even though he was standing at the same place that, of, the other, uh, of the other soldiers, he was able to speak out of his faith. Because no one, not, no being on this earth is greater than the God that he was serving. So when you are filled with the faith of God, no matter what situation you are faced with, you can say you are but a grasshopper before my eyes. So, people of faith can always choose to respond by faith. I'm not saying this is a change of emotion or a positive mind or anything like that. But, but when, you, when you're walking in the, the, the flow of faith, you would offer every situation that you're faced with to the Lord. And you will ask for His will and just obey Him. And, and when you leave it to God, He will lead you to victory in the end. So, you have, a, you have the perspective of faith. So, even though it is the same, same, same situation, the person of faith will look at it in a different way from the person of unbelief. If you, if you lack faith, uh, if you lack money, and, and, but if you, uh, when you lack money and you still have faith, then that, that lack of money will not become an issue because God is going to take care of it. And you will not be afraid of death because that lack of money will not be, be the cause of your death. But the thing that you have to be afraid of is with the enemy is going to use that situation where you, la when you, when you, where you lack money to make you faithless. You have, Hannah, you have difficulty raising your son by yourself, don't you? Hannah? <laughs> You're going to change tonight. She's beautiful. And Jonah and Hannah are both uh, men and women of prayer. And Mozambique is going to be turned upside down through their faith. Let's move on and continue. So this is how important faith is. Faith is not an emotional change. It's knowing that God is leading your life to victory. Or is the Lord uh, tormenting you? That decision is, is decided by faith. And that is the first button that you need to button on your walk to victory. How are you going to respond? Are you going to respond by your faith? Or are you going to respond by the flesh? If you have faith, then no matter what happens, you will have victory. 
but people who don't have faith have a lot of uh, characteristics. But first of all, they are afraid. And later on, they become discouraged. It's because they try to, 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 to do everything out of their own strength. And when they're faced with their limitations, they become afraid and they become discouraged. And furthermore, they, they, got, they get angry and they become timid. And if this is happening within you, you got to realize, oh, I have been influenced by the enemy. But you cannot see. If leaders continue to wallow in faithlessness, then it is very critical to them because they lose their leadership. And if you lack leadership, then many things will become an issue for you. But let's say in a church, when a leader receives this attack of faithlessness, then uh, the impact of that is... But what is leadership? The leadership allows the, the, the people, the inhabit- inhabitants of the Adullam cave to become warriors, to overtake their overcome their enemies. That is the power of leadership. And that is the, to, to, to be fruitful, to multiply, and to conquer. That is the blessing that God has given to the people, that, uh, to His people. And look at Moses. Because Moses had faith, he was able to split the Red Sea. The Red Sea did not split from the front. It split from the back. And the, the situation that Israel was in during the time was they're surrounded by mountain ranges and in front of them was a body of water that they cannot cross. And the Pharaoh's army was closing in on them. But, the Mo, but Moses did not waver in his faith. And that's why Israel was saved through his faith. If I wavered in my faith, then Zoe ministry would not have stayed strong. So especially leaders must have the strong faith of God. If they don't have faith, then they will lose that leadership. So all the things that are happening in your reality are connected to your faith, not, not to your limitations. Even the, even the matter of death. So little things like money should not, should not, be, should have not, uh, should not have a huge impact on you. They cannot become an issue for you. They cannot become a problem for you. So as we, have, we are preparing for this conference, there were so many diverse spirits that are acting upon us that so many, a lot of people have become sick. Yesterday, uh, Sister Hayoung uh, had a fever. And she got so sick that the father called me in the middle of the night. That the, that, that the medication was not working in her anymore. And I said, bring her to me. And the father said, sure. And I, I knew for a fact that as soon as the father was obedient, that the, the, the fever is going to drop. And then, so I said, check her fever right now. And, and it turns out her fever went down. And that is the power of faith. And this is how important faith is. It's because you're faithless that you waver. Having no money is not the issue. That situation should 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 not move you so much. 
But why do you become discouraged? This is the spiritual order uh, uh, of it. When you ha when you are afraid, you become discouraged. Why why do you become discouraged? It's because you you should only fear the Lord. But because you have become afraid of something else, and you regard that thing as greater than than the Lord, you think that God is dead, that He is powerless. You don't acknowledge the the might of the the power of God, and that's why you become uh, discouraged. The only reason you should be discouraged in your in your walk of faith is when your spirit is not perfect before the Lord. That's the only time that you should become discouraged. People of faith, that is the only time that they become discouraged, is when they realize that they have not they are not standing before the Lord, and they have to heart, have a heart of groaning, a uh, heart of lament. Other than that, there's no reason for people of faith to be discouraged. But without faith, it's very natural for you to be afraid, to become discouraged. And they become discouraged with, with, with a lot of, uh, by a lot of influences. And so they lose a lot of spiritual and, and, and emotional energy. And there are several reasons why you cannot pray. But when you're afraid and discouraged, you experience a lot of spiritual loss and you lose that ability to pray before the Lord. So now look at yourselves. If you're unable to pray properly, then you got to check why can't you pray? Is it truly because your problems are so big? Or is it because you're afraid or discouraged? And if you're discouraged and afraid, then that means something else has become greater than the Lord within you. So this is the spiritual order. If you're afraid, then you'll become discouraged. And then you'll get angry. This is the spiritual order of the enemy. So what does the Lord say? It says, um, Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of fire, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and of the son of Remaliah. So they are just firewood. Rezin is the king of Aram. And Remaliah's son is, is, is the other king, but, he, but he's so insignificant that his name is not even mentioned. But anyways, they are all stubs of firewood. They were burned away in an instance. But people who are looking at their situation, situations through their eyes of their flesh won't, won't realize that they're only stubs of firewood, that they're only, that they're only a gust of wind and will be uh, away in a moment. But people of faith will be able to look at and judge their situations through the eyes of God. And if God says so, then they will be able to follow His words and they will be able to see clearly. No matter what happens, they will not be shaken because they are looking at their situations through the perspective of God. Verse 5, Aram, Ephraim, and Remaliah's son have plotted with ruin. It's also mentioned, their evil plot is also mentioned in verse 6. 
They want to invade Judah, ter- divide it, and make the son of Tabeel king over it. And uh, Tabeel was the king of Tyre. And they want to raise up the monarchy of, of Tyre, and that's why they're plotting to invade Judah. In the perspective of the world, this is a very um, dangerous, a, a critical plot that has been plotted against Judah. Because they want to overtake their kingdom and set up their own king with, with, in that nation. And that's why they're, they're forming alliances and, and gathering supplies and resources to fight. But even though in, in the world this may be very uh, uh, dangerous and critical, in the perspective of God, this is nothing. No matter wh- how much they strive to, to plot uh, with themselves and strategize, it is nothing in the eyes of God. So we don't have to be afraid of the strategies and the plots of the world. But we have to know that the enemy is strategic. And the enemy also has wisdom regarding the world. And they use that wisdom to plot against uh, the people of God. And they're very smart as well. So they would give money to those who need money. To people who, who need people around them, they would give them people. So if you, if you don't know what comes from God... If you, don't, if you do not know the strategy of God, if you cannot see the, 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 the will of the Lord through faith, then you will be tricked easily and you will go along, the, you will follow along the plot of the enemy. But when you have faith, you realize that your, your, your battle is not in the flesh and blood, but is against the, spirit, the evil spirits. So with faith, you got to be able to see the evil plots of the enemy. And you would realize that their schemes, their plots are nothing. And this is the evil plot and the scheme that these, uh, these, these nations have created. But this, is, but this is only their thoughts. It is not the will of the Lord. So Judah needs to be able to receive the will of the Lord through faith. And it is impossible for them to overtake this nation of, that comes from the lineage of David, from the family line of David. Because God has already prophesied that the Messiah is going to come from the line of David. So the line of David cannot be destroyed. So Ahaz has had no reason to fear. Faith means that you're, pro- you're believing in the promises of God. But he was faithless. He couldn't, he couldn't trust God to fulfill and to keep his promises. And that's why he has fallen into the trap of the enemy. When, you, when we have faith, we have the, 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 the will of God. We know exactly what God wants. We know where God is standing. And if we know that, then there's nothing that can bring fear upon us. Let's move on to verse 7. Yet this is what the Sovereign Lord says. It, it will not take place. It will not happen. 
no matter how, how much they try to be allied with one another and, 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 and plot these schemes, it is nothing in the eyes of God. And if God does not will it, it will not happen. But in the eyes of Ahaz, they are plotting against him, and so he's afraid that they're going to overcome him. But who is God? He's the, he's the one that created this universe. No matter how good of a, uh, of a plan they come up with, it's important whose side God is on. Because God is in control. And that is the, this can, the same concept can be applied to your lives. The important thing is not how much you can plan, strategize, and, and, and achieve for yourselves. It's, it, the important thing is you have to be able to see where God is, whose side God is on. That is the key to your victory, to be on the side of God. But people who are faithless, always try to choose the beneficial thing that is, that is judged through the standards of Babylon. But that's not how the Lord works. Sometimes uh, uh, the ch church members come to me and say, Pastor, where should I go? But I wouldn't, I wouldn't even ask the, uh, for the Lord's opinion. I would say, go walk on the narrow path. Go to where you're going to be faced with difficulties. It's because with our logical thinkings, we would, we would go to the place that pays us more and where, where, where there's a better working environment. But that's not how you should judge where to go. You've got to see where God is, where He wants to put you. And if, even if that place pays you less, if, if the Lord is there, then you've got to uh, apply for that job. When you continue to live in faith, you understand this. This is not something that you can see only through spiritual gifts. When you have faith, you will see, your eyes will be opened. Oh, this is where I should be. This is where God is leading me. And you got to get a taste of this, this sort of, uh, this lifestyle. This is not, you don't have to know the prophetic flow or uh, the words of wisdom to understand. If you just live by faith a little bit, then you would get that, you would receive that instinct. Oh, this is the right place or this is not the right place. As you continue to live in faith, you would, you would, you would, um, receive this sort of habit or this uh, spiritual instinct to know where the Lord is. And in your companies, when you're doing business meetings, even no matter how great of an offer they may come to you, if God does not will that contract, then you shouldn't um, form a contract with, with, with that party. But if you're faithless, you won't have these spiritual instincts. And so you would, you, you, you would constantly walk off track. So right now, even in this setting, it is not important who is allied with, with who and who is helping who. The important thing is what the Lord wills, where the, the, plan, of the, God, where the plan of God is. So in your daily lives, you've got to form a habit of, of siding with the Lord. You gotta stop focusing on what you want, where, uh, where, what you want, what you can achieve, and, and following after your, uh, and only doing things out of your own limitations. 
even if you know for a fact that you're going to experience a loss because of this, of, because of this decision, you got to do it if the Lord, if that is the will of God. Many times the decisions that God made me do uh, caused me to experience a lot of losses. But the reason why I follow after the, the, the will of the Lord is because I know that, I'm, that I have to side with Him. Sorry. If you're living a self-centered life, then everything comes from this calculation, what you can do, what, how much you have to sacrifice, how much you're making, how much you're losing. And in the end, you, everything becomes centered around you. Everything that you do, you do because you want to, to receive benefits from it. You want to profit from it. But that's not how the kingdom of God works because His kingdom is not my kingdom. But His kingdom belongs to those who are humble. So you will experience a lot of losses. You will not profit all the time when you follow the Lord. People who are used to living in His kingdom in all situations, they will know where the Lord is, what, where, uh, how God is leading them at that moment. So, the most important thing to take from today's sermon is to live uh, in faith. Verse 8. So, let's finish up to verse 9 tonight. And retire early tonight. Because we have a lot of time in this conference, don't we? Verse 8, For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. Hmm? So apparently the Chinese Bible does not translate the word as, as the head. Uh, but anyways. Uh, so the head of Aram is, the, is the, uh, Damascus. And the head of Damascus is resin. The reason why Israel calls him the head is in the end, who is the head of Israel? And that is God. So it is important who the head is. No matter what, how much of, a, of chaos Aram brings, their head is only resin, the king of resin. So their head is only a, a mere human. But who is the head of Israel? He is God himself. So you got to see, who's your head? It's God. Our head is Jesus Christ. So no matter what the enemy does, no matter what the world does, their head is only Lucifer. He's a part of creation in the end. But our, our head is Jesus Christ. Long ago, when the military was strong in Korea, No matter how much the officers that graduated from military school were, were powerful, the, 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 uh, the military police was above them, so they could keep them in control.
But the leader of the military police was two, was a two-star general and the head of the the the, the graduates of the military school was only one star. So when those two leaders fight, uh, come into come into contradictions, the head of the military military police would always win. And that's the same concept. Our head is the creation, uh, is the creator. So you gotta believe and live your your days while believing that he's your head. If you believe that Jesus is your head, then you will no longer try to live by your own thoughts. And since you know that he's the head, you, you no longer try to think by yourself because he's the head. You leave the thinking to him. But if you are your own head, then of course you will be in charge of making the decisions. So this is a very easy thing for those who are living in faith because they know that Jesus Christ is their head. So let's say something happened. People who believe that Jesus is their head, immediately what they do is, their reaction is, Lord, what should I do? That is the immediate reaction. But people who don't believe that Jesus is their head, they start to think. And they start to come up with a plan. Or their body moves first. Because they don't believe that Jesus is their head. Now look at yourselves. How do you react? What, ha what if something happened? Is the first thing you do to... Is your first immediate reaction to kneel down to pray before the Lord? Or is your immediate reaction to, to react with your flesh? Look at Moses. Moses was a great leader of God and, he, and whenever something happened he would kneel down before the Lord and ask for uh, the will of God before anything. And that's why he was acknowledged as a great leader of God. And as you continue to deny yourself and, and acknowledge that Jesus is your head then your, your thoughts and your stances will, will match the level of the Creator. But, but if you start to accumulate the, the times that you have lived by your own thoughts within this church, then even after many years, your, your spiritual life, your spirituality will have nothing to boast of because you have not experienced any growth. But you got to allow Jesus Christ to become your head and for Him to make all the decisions in your lives. But if you don't do that and you have become your own heads, then this is what's going to happen. Where it says, uh, mm, verse 9, the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remelite's son. But the, the head of Jerusalem is God himself. So no matter what Ephraim or, or Aram or Damascus plans, their plans will become nothing because it is not willed by the Lord. This is prophesied in B.C. 734 and it is prophesied 12 years before this, this uh, happened. And 
what happened, what exactly matches this prophecy. And it was, this was also prophesied during the time where northern Israel was going through a time of prosperity, prosperity uh, under the rule of Jeroboam, Jeroboam II. Look how exact the prophecy of Isaiah is. It's, his prophecy says that in 65 years, Israel is going to be faced with destruction. But why is it 65 years? Let's say um, the Koguryo era or Koguryo kingdom failed. The kingdom that came after Koguryo was Pare. But as you know, as long as the people of that nation remains, the, 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 the influence of that nation will, will remain in that, in that land. But look at Israel. They have been divided for 3,000 years. But as soon as they came back uh, to, to form the, the, the nation of Israel, they were able to be regarded as a nation immediately. During the reign of Ahaz, he actually divided the, the people of northern Israel. And uh, many of the people lose their traditions in this separation. So it should have been impossible for Israel to come back into one nation. Because the qualifications for a nation is the people, one people, and land and also uh, uh, control. But since they don't have the people anymore, the people are divided, they should not be able to regard themselves as a nation anymore. And that is exactly what happened according to the prophecies of Isaiah. And that is the price that Israel had to pay for their unbelief. And it's also a very huge event in the history of Israel. So this king Ahaz, of course he was not a believer because he was an idol worshiper. He relied on the world. But Israel had to pay the price for, this, for the sins of, their, of that leader. I'm not saying the children has to bear the, the, the judgment of the father. But Israel has to live by faith. Listen carefully. The Bible says that the only way of life for the children of God is for the, that the, the righteous have to live by faith. The Bible never once says that the, the children of God should live with anything else. Does it say that the righteous shall live by their own thoughts? No. The Bible only says that the righteous shall live by faith. So if you don't live by faith, you can see so many times that the, that, that the Israelites had to pay the price for living in unbelief. Whether that be Israel or the church when they are faithless, they will be met with this judgment. Look at the...
Uh, it talks about the story where um, a family offered half of their money to the church, half of their money, which they were a very rich family. But because the Lord looked at the, 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 the half that they have kept, they're judged as people, they're judged as faithless in the eyes of God, and that's why they were destroyed. So when you live without faith, you will have to pay the price for those actions. And think about it. Why is it such a big deal to, to live without faith? First of all, think about the sacrifice that Jesus had, to ma- had, had made for us to receive His faith. And that means you're rejecting His love. Faith is a gift that God has given to us through the sacrifice of Jesus and you're rejecting that gift. And when you receive grace, you're receiving the, kingdom, uh, receiving the glory of the kingdom and the glory of God. When you're living faithlessly, it means you're rejecting, you're, you're um, abolishing that, not abolishing, but you're kicking away that, that glory. After we are And when you are living without faith, it means you're living through your own flesh. You're living by your own strength. And you would have to pay the price for living without faith in the end. So this is a very important principle in our lives. To constantly check, to, to, uh, to, constantly, to li- constantly live in faith. And living by faith has to be applied to the Israel, to Israel in the Old Testament. But more than that, it is applied to us who are living the New Testament. And the Holy Spirit has been given to you. And the Holy Spirit will not neglect you when you are living without faith. So in the end, you're, you're rejecting the Holy Spirit as well. You're rejecting and you're not acknowledging this great gift of faith that God has given to us. And in the end, you think it's so difficult to live in faith. And you think it's very natural for you to live without faith. Because it is, that is not achievable. But just as we are able to breathe in oxygen right now, living in faith should be as natural to you as you breathing oxygen right now. And when you, don't, when you stop to breathe, you will die. Likewise, when the righteous cease to live in faith, they will die as well. It is a natural order, natural principle. So there's no reason for you to not be able to live by faith. There's no excuse in this matter. Why do the people of the world, why will the people of the world face destruction in the end? And I'm talking about the unbelievers. And it's because they don't believe in God. But even people who are saved, if they live faithlessly, continuously, then they're also going to be made faced with destruction or they will have to face that judgment and pay the price for their faithlessness. So we need to have this pure faith to come before the Lord through this faith as well. In, in, in my church, I say this. When, 
when you continue to repent, in the end, the, the focus of a repent, repentance, you will cease to repent for your disobedience, but rather you repent of the times that you lived without faith. You repent for the times that you have not loved. What does it mean to, to not believe? There's no limitation to that capacity. Let's say you gave, you gave $100 to somebody who is in need. Then you'll repent for, later on you'll repent for not giving that, giving that person $1,000 or a $1 million. And let's say you have loved the person, you have cared for that person. But later on you'll repent for not fully loving that person and fully taking care of them. When you live by faith continuously, this is, this is, what, this is what is going to happen. So that's why you, cannot, you can never boast of your, your deeds because there's no limitations in love. Even though you believed, you will repent. Even though you have loved, you will repent. So if you're still repenting regarding these famous sins, then you're not at that level yet. But if the, the, the level of your holiness becomes deeper, then you would repent with your faith. Repent regarding your faith. Look at Paul. Look at what he said. He was at the climax of his spirituality. I think it was Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says he is the lowest of the sinners. How was he, how is it possible that he com confesses such things? It's because he saw that that uh, existential evil wickedness within him that, that hindered him from going further into holiness. And he, and he saw the wickedness that has, that has hindered him from, from even loving, uh, from loving his brothers and sisters more in the church. Well, that's why he was able to make that confession. And he says that he, even though he has received, he continues to let go. Even though he, he thought he was perfected, he would continue to let go of that mindset and, and seek more. So living in faith, when you live in faith, you will start to see how your faith grows and matures. I'm sorry about talk, I'm, I'm sorry I'm talking about such uh, high level things, but uh, I can see a lot of you are having difficulty understanding this concept. But, so let's move on. Let's move on to verse 9. The head of Ephraim is Samaria. The head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. So again, this is saying no matter who the king is, that king is merely a human being. So even though Ephraim is trying to destroy you while cooperating with Aram, then this nation is going to disappear in 12 years. And this same word is spoken to Judah. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. This is the price that you have, they have to pay for their faithlessness. If you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will also be destroyed. In 2 Corinthians, in the conclusion, Paul says, 
You gotta confirm for yourselves whether or not you have faith in the church. So constantly you have to be checking yourself to see whether or not you're living by faith. Am I living by faith right now? Or am I living by my thoughts? Am I living through my own um, experiences? Am I living through with my own ex uh, limitations? Am I living with the things that the world gives me? Am I living with my own experiences? You cannot live whilst not confirming of these things. You gotta constantly confirm that you're living in faith. Only then will your faith continue to grow and your spirit continue to grow. And Isaiah is speaking to, it, to, to Judah in this way. If you do not stand in your faith, firm in your faith, then you will also be face your end as well. So God is not judging you for, li for not living in faith. But it is a principle, it's a rule that God has said that his, his children will live in His faith. So when the children of God do not live in faith, they cannot help but be, be attacked, be influenced, be under the rule of the, uh, the enemies. So when you live in faith, because God has taken care of everything, He, has, he says, I have taken care of everything, so, so all you have to do is believe that I have done everything. that staff they would be healed but they disobeyed and that's why they faced their end if it was truly impossible for us to to, to do it then God will not judge us God will not strike us when we are not living by faith but it, because He has resolved everything and has fulfilled everything for us and all we have to do is believe for us to, re to reach that state, that's why He will strike us and, 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 and um, judge us when we are not living by faith. Because that possibility is, is within Him and not, not in, every, uh, in anywhere else. Now look at your lives then. Some of you, it is easier for you to do things out of your own preparation rather than uh, relying on God. It is easier for you to follow your, your experiences, follow your habits. Some of you are like that. And that's why living by faith is, is already spiritually too, too spiritually hardened and bound in you, within you. And it, it has become more easier. Uh, it has become easier for you to follow your flesh than the spirit. So some of you, how easy how easy is it is it for you to watch a movie? It's not difficult to 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 stop yourself from watching a movie at all. But there are some of you who it's it's very difficult to make yourself watch a movie. But right now, this this. This echo is, is really um, a huge issue for me. So I'm, I'm still struggling with a headache, but, and I'm not even sure if you're receiving grace from this sermon right now. But, but for me, it's, it's a great torment that I have to listen to my voice delayed. Is it better for you? I guess it's better for you to 
because you're, you have headphones on. Maybe I should do that too. The reason why I'm saying this is saying this is because I want you to acknowledge me that I'm, I'm preaching out of such difficult situation uh, in, in such a difficult situation. Uh, we got to press on. Where were we? I'm not saying this is easy and that is difficult. But what is your choice? What, what do you choose to follow? Some, for some of you, it is difficult to, make a, to, to, to force yourself to watch a movie. But on the other hand, some people, it's very easy to watch a movie. Some of you, it's, it's, it's very easy for you to go shopping, but others, you have a lot of difficulty uh, making yourself go shopping. So that in itself is not a big, uh, it's not a huge issue. But the, the issue is, what is your choice? Are you going to choose to live in the spirit? Or are you going to choose to live in the flesh? Are you going to walk on the path of the Lord? Or are you going to walk on the path of the enemy? Are you going to choose the will of the Lord? Or are you going to follow after your desires, your own expectations, your experiences, your habits? If I was Ahaz, then I would not build such a, such a difficult tunnel. Why would, you, to, 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 why would you dig such a tunnel? Just believe in God. Believe that God is going to protect you. I would never go to Assyria bringing gifts to ask, to beg for their help. I would just rely on God because it is much more, it's much more simple and easier. But this was easier for Ahaz to do. It was easier for him to go to Assyria to ask for help and to, to, to construct that tunnel. So right now, you got to confirm whether or not you have been living by faith. Do you have faith within you or not? You need to open your eyes objectively and see yourselves. Are you living in faith or are you living without faith? Are you still holding on to your own expectations, your desires, your experiences? Is it easier for you to make that decision? There's a clear difference between these habits. Some people, you may say, oh, if you do this, then it's going to be way easier. Why do you choose to, why do you choose to walk on the narrow path? For example, people like Daniel. Just don't pray for a month or, or, or at the very least move your prayer location. Why do you continue to pray with your windows open even know that this decree was made? This is the difference between those who live with their own strength and people who live in faith. They will say, just pray in, a, in an isolated room. Why do you pray for the whole, whole city to see? But Daniel didn't do this out of purpose, purposely. But he did this out of his relationship with God. It is his faith. He cannot allow himself to fall into the influence of the world. And that is the act of faith. 
This is what it means to, to, for, for it to be easier for you to live by faith. I'm not saying sometimes it is easier to choose, choose, choose faith and sometimes it is easier to, live by, uh, to choose your own thoughts. In all things, you've got to have more power, more energy in, in the ability to choose faith. On the other hand, you need to see whether or not or you need to see that you are choosing to live, that it's easier for you to choose to live by your own, uh, by your own thoughts. Are you, if you have a desire for the kingdom of God, if you have a desire for His great faith, then you've got to live a life choosing, you need to live your life choosing to live by that faith. Every day you've got to choose to live by faith. You've got to fight and engage in spiritual warfare to maintain that faith. If you do not have that sense of direction, if you don't have a determination to fight, then in all things you're going to be faced with your own limitations and, 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 and choose your own... Um, make up your own minds. But when you continue to choose to live by your own thoughts, you, you will be faced with your own limitations. But people who live by faith, you will not be faced with any limitations. Because there's no limitations in God. And if you have faith, no matter what you're faced with, the, the way you receive that will be the same. Let's say the level of you receiving, a certain, receiving something from a certain situation is 100, then no matter what happens from then on, that level will be the same. It will not be a hundred now and a thousand later on. So, in every, every circumstances that you're faced with, the, the level that, 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 that you receive will be the same. And yet, none of these circumstances will, will bring death to you. But... So you, the, the, the amount that you receive from those situations will be, all be the same. But if you live by your own thoughts and you respond by the flesh, then every situation that you, you're faced with will be different because they're all different in scale. But that's why we say the right, righteous shall live by faith. So you got to make up your mind tonight. Are you going to live by faith or are you going to live by your thoughts? If you are a remnant of God, then you got to choose to live by faith. Now let's pray. What time do we gather tomorrow? Was it announced? I'm please fix the echo tomorrow because it's very difficult to bear. Because when I say something, it comes back to me a couple, uh, a couple milliseconds later. So it's very confusing and disorienting. And also, my shoulder is not well at the moment, so it's also quite a nuisance. Let's pray. Lord, <clears throat> Lord, tonight, pour your faith upon us. Lord, help us to confirm that we are people of faith from tonight on. 
the only way of life that, it, that for, the, for the children of God written in the Bible is for, that the righteous shall live by faith. <clears throat> It's because we are your beings. And this is a gift that you have given to your beings. And this is the way of life, this lifestyle that you have decided, designed for your children. So Lord, would you help us to know and confirm of this way, this life of faith. Help us not to neglect this, uh, this faith anymore. Help us not to live by our own ways and our own methods. And you're requiring this faith from the remnant of, of the end times. So Lord, help us to get rid of all of this unbelief and all the strength of the old self that has been oppressing the new self. And forgive us for always uh, consoling ourselves, saying it is okay to live faithlessly at time, from time to time. The, let us realize that these are all false thoughts. And forgive us for thinking that it's easier to live by our own habits and from our own experiences. Lord, help us to get rid of this all. Give, help us to get rid of the strength of the sarks. And would you make it easier for us to live by faith, to stand, to, to come before you and to stand in your glory. Lord, come and work upon us. Holy Spirit, would you come and touch each spirit here? Help us to get rid of all the strength of the old self. And let us be able to see through the schemes of the enemy. Lord, continue to anoint us. Holy Spirit, would you show us? Show us the strength of the flesh within us. Help us to see how much we have been living uh, outside, of the, outside of your flesh, uh, outside of your, your faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Confirm for yourselves that you have faith. Help us to confirm of this daily. The righteous shall live by faith. Lord, would you pour your powerful faith upon us? Help us to give out of all the strength of the source, all the, all the, fle uh, the strength of the old self within us. And rather, but finally, let us be able to live by faith, live according to the head of the church, who is Jesus Christ. Lord, would you let the head of the church become our, own, our very own heads as well? And even when our enemy schemes uh, plots against us, help us to realize that God is on our side. And not lose faith and become afraid and discouraged. But rather, help us to hold on to this ultimate victory and fight on and not waver in this faith. Look into the comments, fill us up. 
Neuntas. say that the righteous shall live by faith. It is not dif a difficult thing, difficult thing to do. It just means whenever, whatever happens, you stop and ask the Lord for help. Lord, what should I do? Like that. And, but many times in our lives, we, don't, we cannot stop. But you stopping... And the reason why I say uh, the spiritual gift of meekness is so important is because it allows you not to, to rely on your experiences, but rather allow yourself to stop, take a step back, and ask the Lord for help. But when you don't have meekness, your, your own thoughts, your own experiences will come out. And is that, that's, that is actually the, 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 the strength of your flesh. And you move according to the limitations of your flesh. I have a hundred dollars, then I would only use, be able to use the hundred dollars. And that's why being able to stop is so important. You need to be able to ask the Lord and, and receive from God. It's because you don't know how to do this that you, you continue to live by your own thoughts and you live according to your own experiences. Starting from today, you got to learn to stop. If, if you're faced with anything, just stop and, and, and pray before the Lord. Lord, what should I do? How should I move on? When you start to do this, you will realize that it's actually easier to live by faith than to live with, by your own thoughts. And no matter how the situation turns out, you will not move a, 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 unless the Lord gives you faith to move. As soon as you stop, what is going to happen to you is you'll start to see that the, the, the strength of the, the sark starts to fade away. And at some point, you'll realize that it has no strength anymore. You know bicycles, right? 
uh, when you go to the gym, there's the stationary bike that you can that you can uh, use. And when you, uh, the more you step on the pedal, uh, or when you when you when you continue to cycle on it, you 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 generate energy into the machine, and so the machine lights up. But as soon as you stop, the machine stops as well because you cannot generate energy anymore. And that's the same concept here. If you stop, if you don't allow the flesh to move, then the, the flesh is going to start to lose energy. So that is the importance of being able to stop. So starting today, you got to learn to stop and become quiet, become calm. Then you will realize, excuse me, it is easier for you to live in faith. So what you have to believe in is, you have to believe that the Lord is interested in it in his children. He's interested in all areas of your lives. And that the Lord is guiding the way, the path of his children. And he supplies everything that the children that that the child needs. And he's going to lead his children to victory. But when you can't believe this, that's when you you move yourself. That's when you move according to your own thoughts. You have to realize that the Lord loves you more than you realize. And He wants to take care of everything for you. He wants to give you everything. And He wants to bring you to victory. But since you don't believe in this fact, that's why you move for yourself. You live for yourself. But if you fully believe in the Lord, then you will not allow yourself to live according to your own thoughts. You say, Lord, give me. Lord, would you act upon me? Lord, would you resolve this issue for me? Just by you stopping, you'll realize how greatly the Lord starts to work in your lives. This is where you should have began in your spirituality. But you have received the teachings of legalism, legalism from the Korean churches. And that's why you, have, they have, you're, you're taught to try very hard, to put in a lot of effort. you got to be a, a hard worker to be acknowledged. I think every one of you is affected in this thing, in, in these teachings. Because that's how you were raised, that's how your parents were raised, and that's how you were taught in schools. And that's why now you have come to the point where it's very foreign and difficult for you to live in faith. But a new season upon us. So, God is going to teach you how to live by faith. You've got to reach the Sabbath rest of faith. And also realize that living by your own thoughts is so dangerous. Because who is in charge of thoughts? Of course, the Lord can take charge of your thoughts. But the evil spirits, the enemy can also influence your thoughts. Because the enemy was the one that put the thought of selling Jesus Christ into the mind of Judas Iscariot. So when you live by your thoughts, you're always allowing the, an opening for the enemy to come and attack you. But when you lay down your own thoughts and allow the Lord to think, then you would live according to the new self and you will follow along the will of God. That has to be inscribed within your mind that when you live by your own thoughts, you're living on a very dangerous path and you are very susceptible to the deception of the enemy. The, the king of kings the creator of heaven and earth the one who is in charge of this universe you have to live according to his thoughts 
and you're going to receive his thought and live according to it. Amen? So rest up well tonight and enjoy your breakfast. You have to eat breakfast, okay? Because it is prayed for already. And you've got to stay healthy. And we'll see you at 9.30 tomorrow morning. Let's turn all the glory to God.